This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. So I get to read from Luke 22. I'm going to begin in verse 14 this morning. It says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, "This, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Thank you, Pastor Tyler. Well, last week was the first week in a series we're doing on prayer. And you might recall, we were in Luke 11, where Jesus was praying in a certain place, and his disciples saw him, and they went to him, and they said, Hey, teach us to pray. And of course, Jesus then teaches them what we know as the Lord's Prayer, but really, it's the disciples' prayer. It's a prayer for all of us uh, who are followers of Jesus. And really, it provides a, a template for prayer. And in that, we begin to recognize themes in that prayer that identify us as followers of Jesus and what priorities there are in our lives. Not only that, what we believe what we hold near and dear to our hearts. At the conclusion of of teaching them that prayer, he teaches a parable. And it's uh, the parable of the friend at midnight. You might recall that. And after that parable is done, he kind of puts an exclamation point on it. You might recall. And he says, ask, and you'll receive an answer. Seek, and you will find. Knock. And the door will be open to you. And then he gives uh, an example of uh, a father who loves his children, who wants to give his children the very best good things. And then he concludes that section by saying, How much more does your heavenly father not only want to provide for you the material things that you need in life, but also... Um, the Holy Spirit in your life to empower you uh, to live, to be engaged for Christ in the world. And so that was a very powerful passage on prayer. Well, we're going to continue that today. And the context is Jesus gathering his disciples around him, preparing uh, to go to the cross. And it's that, that picture of Jesus. And in John's Gospel. By the way, John identifies himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
Okay? And you'll notice that theme of love all through John's Gospel and even in uh, 1 John, uh, his epistle. That theme of love, God's love, and our love for one another as those who are followers of Christ. But in the context of that, in John's Gospel, beginning towards the end of John chapter 13, going all the way through the beginning of, or to John chapter 17, we encounter what we know as, or what scholars call, uh, the farewell uh, discourse. And, and what that is, is that Jesus has gathered his disciples around him, and in keeping with the custom of Judaism, where um, uh, a rabbi, a teacher, a prophet, a religious leader, when they were near the time of their death or a time of departure, when they knew they weren't going to be seen, um, their followers, they would gather them around and they would teach them or they would review all the important points of their ministry. <clears throat> the things that they want their followers to remember the most. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's going to kind of just review some things and he's going to illustrate some things. One of the things he's going to do is teach about servanthood in, in chapter 13, where he literally washes the feet of his disciples. And then, of course, we have the imagery that's coming of the communion table, where he takes everyday elements, bread and wine, and he uses them to illustrate the pouring out of his life for them, what's about to happen. So, at the end of the farewell discourse, he moves into a farewell prayer. You see this again in Judaism. Uh, for example, in Deuteronomy chapters 32 and 33, where Moses, he glorifies God, right? Then he has some final words for the children of Israel and he, he blesses them and he prays for them. And so you see that same format here in the ministry of Jesus. So you have the farewell discourse and then you come here to this farewell prayer. And some scholars have called this the beloved chapter in the Gospel of John because perhaps more than any other um, chapter in any of the Gospels, we see the heart of Jesus. His, his heart in His relationship with God, the Heavenly Father, his heart for his disciples, and his heart for all those who would come to faith as a result of his disciples' ministry. That includes you and me. Okay? It's a very personal prayer. It's a, it's a prayer in which he intercedes. It's a prayer in which he, he really um, pours out his heart um, for his disciples. And that's where we are this morning in the context of that. Now, in this beloved chapter, chapter 17, in this beloved book, the Gospel of John, which is written by the beloved disciple, John, okay, we see Jesus now praying, okay? In fact, in John 17, 1, it says that Jesus looked towards heaven and he prayed. Now, you remember last week in Luke chapter 11? What does Jesus do? Jesus is praying in a certain place. He's modeling. 
His disciples are watching. And then here again, what do we see Jesus doing? We see Jesus praying. Prayer is an integral part of Jesus' life. And as Jesus was preparing and equipping his disciples, he was modeling for them the important aspects, the foundational uh, practices of faith. And here again, this passage begins with Jesus modeling prayer. Now, not only is he modeling it and that he is praying, but again, as is the custom in Judaism, often a prayer, uh, a um, farewell prayer, a departure prayer, would be spoken out loud. So now he's modeling for them, but he's also speaking and they're hearing. As he's praying to his heavenly Father, they're hearing his heart. And you know, <clears throat> one of the things over the years that I have learned, that if we are to grow in prayer, there's a couple things that, that happen. One, we need to be around people who are praying because they model for us and we can listen, we can observe, but then we need to pray ourselves. So we learn to pray by being around people who pray and praying ourselves. And Jesus again here is modeling that. They're around Jesus as he's praying. Now, in, these, um, in this prayer, it's divided into three distinct parts. The first part, Jesus is praying for himself. Essentially what he's doing <clears throat> is he is praying that he would glorify his heavenly Father. He knows what's ahead of him, the cross. And so his prayer is that of a high priest. And some would call this the high priestly prayer of Jesus because what did the high priest do to the sacrifice before it was offered to God? The high priest would consecrate it. Right? And that consecration would be a setting apart, making it holy, preparing it to be offered to God. And so here we see Jesus as the high priest literally consecrating himself. Because he is not only priest, but what is he also? He's the sacrifice, isn't he? And so we see this here in these first few verses. The second part then goes into Jesus praying for his disciples. And in a sense, as the high priest, if you will, he's also consecrating his disciples. He's consecrating them. He is praying over them in preparation for the sacrifice of their service, of their giving their lives to the cause of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he prays for himself, then he prays for them. And he's essentially offering them to the Lord. And then he prays for all those who would come to faith through their ministry and through the ministry of his disciples in the ages to come. And so essentially then he's praying for you and for me. And so this prayer is a prayer that acknowledges the present reality, but it's also looking forward. It's a prayer of hope. It's a prayer in which Jesus is, is speaking into the future, not only of the disciples' lives, but your life in my life. Now, <clears throat> as you go through these 26 verses, you can identify several themes, okay? 
But there are three this morning that I'd like us to look at in a little bit more detail as we prepare uh, to come uh, to communion and experience Christ's real presence in the sacrament this morning. So the first theme that, that we see in this prayer is a theme of identity. A theme of identity. If you're looking in your Bibles or your electronic device and it's open to John chapter 17, I want to call your attention to John chapter 17, verse 9. This is what he prays. I pray for them, speaking of disciples, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. They are yours. And it's really important, as followers of Christ, we recognize that we belong to the Lord. God literally created you and me. He created us for Himself and for His purposes. And so, recognizing that we belong to God, but not only that, that we've been set aside for His kingdom purpose. And we read that in verses 17 through 19. In 17 through 19 we see, sanctify them by the truth. Now that word sanctify literally means to set apart, to set aside, right? To prepare, to make right, or in this case, holy for the purpose for which you've created and called them. Sanctify them by the truth. Now this is important. Your word is truth. And that's why we emphasize the centrality of the Word of God. That's why we went through several weeks of the book, The Divine Mentor, in our sermon series to begin the year. Because we encounter our Savior through His Word. He teaches us. He prepares us. The Word of God gets into our hearts and into our minds. And it is a vital aspect of how God prepares us for what He's calling us to do. Your Word is truth. Your Word is truth. We want to walk in that truth. We want to live that that truth would literally come out of our, our pores. Okay, We want to be people of the book. People of the Word. And as we read, God is at work in our lives sanctifying us. Verse 18, As you sent them, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Do you realize that we are a sent people? That we are a people together who have been sent for the purposes of God's kingdom into the world to be His representatives, to live and to share the good news. Okay? Verse 19, For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. That we would be made holy, set apart for God's purposes, prepared, recognizing that we belong to Him and that we're called to live for Him in the world. And that is an identity piece. Do you realize that, that your life belongs to God this morning? It's not your own. It's His. 
And he created you and me with great intentionality. So there's that identity piece in John 17, 9 and 17, verses 17 through 19. But then the second part I want to call our attention to is unity. Chapter 17, verse 11 reads this. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one. All right, that speaks of unity. So that they may be one. And let's continue to read verses 22 and Uh, 22 through 23. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one. There again, as we are one, I in them and you in me, so they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Now, Elsewhere we read in Scripture, it says, we need to be aware. Don't be ignorant of the devil's schemes. Because what he wants to do is he wants to create division. He wants to divide and conquer. Jesus, knowing the future of what his disciples were going to face in the world. The adversity and the pressure that was going to come from the outside in was praying that there would be unity from the inside out. He's praying a prayer of protection over his disciples, over you and me, the future followers of Christ, that we would be so united, understanding our identity and our purpose, that nothing could get between us and cause division and divide us. Divisions weaken the body of Christ. And we are called to forgive, to reconcile, and to restore. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? That's good that somebody else does that, that God wants them to do that. But what about you and me? What about when God is calling you and me? to forgive or to seek reconciliation or to restore? Are we willing? Are we ready to do that? That's essential to the the unity within the body of Christ. And, And sometimes that just has to do with our relationship with God. That that relationship has been broken because of sin in my life or in, in your life. And in 1 John 1.9, it says if we confess that sin to God, He's just and faithful to forgive us that sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know that? That whatever it is that's interfering with our relationship with God, as we confess that, God removes that. And He says, hey, the shed blood of My Son on the cross has covered that. I'm good with you. You're good with Me. Or sometimes it's in that brokenness in relationship with one another. And that's where that division happens in the body of Christ. And God calls us to move out of that into forgiveness, into 
reconciliation, into restoration, into the healing of relationship, that we might be in right relationship with one another because that's a hallmark of who we are in Christ. That all people will know we're His disciples by our love for one another. That's why we have a relational covenant. If you don't have this, it's in the, in the lobby. You can pick one up. They're out there. You'll see them in the card rack. We have a relational covenant because we want to relate to one another in a right and godly way. Because we recognize how important unity is in the body of Christ. And we want to be at peace with one another and do everything we can as far as we're concerned to ensure that that happens. So the first piece we see here is our identity. The second is our unity. But to be unified, we must have a willing heart. Create a clean heart in me, O God, the psalmist says, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And the final thing I want to point out of this prayer this morning is love. John 17, verses 25 through 26. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. That literally the love that the Father has for the Son would indwell and be in our lives. And that I myself may be in them. Do you see that? That literally the love of God through and in His Son, Jesus Christ, resides in us as Christ Himself lives in us. That we are known and loved by God. That's hard for some of us to grasp, isn't it? That we are known. God knows us intimately, personally, and He loves us. That He loves us like He loves His own Son. Imagine that. That's a game changer, isn't it? Wow. Being united with Christ, we experience His real presence and His life in our lives. That's powerful stuff. And so we see in this high priestly prayer, the heart of Jesus as He's praying for His disciples and for His future disciples, us. And three of the themes, identity, unity, and love are key. They're key. In your worship folder or guide, you'll find this card. My prayer response to John 17 is I've been sharing from His Word this morning. Maybe there are issues of identity, of belonging, of sensing your relationship with God, but now that's your purpose and, and, and what He wants and to do in and through your life. If there's something there that you want to do business with the Lord about or, or that you just want to make right or you want to live into in the very best way, on your card today, you can write that out. And during communion, after you take communion or before you take communion, go back and just nail it to the cross. Put it there. Let Him know. Here are my intentions. Or this is my prayer. Or, or God, would You work this in my life as it relates to my sense of identity, my sense of belonging and purpose 
as your child, your son or daughter. Or maybe it's a, uh, something that's having to do with unity. Maybe there's a brokenness in your relationship with God. Maybe there's a sin that you want to confess or something you want to make right in your life that's been getting in the way of your walk with Him. Or maybe it's a, a brokenness in a relationship with somebody in your life. Somebody that you either need to forgive or receive forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration from. To be in right relationship. Whatever that is, here's an opportunity again to to write it on the card. Nail it to the cross. Put it there. Or maybe it's love. Maybe this morning you have a hard time really understanding how much you're loved. And, and, And maybe this morning you're saying, Oh, Lord, you mean you really love me like you love your own son? That literally Christ's love has been poured out in me as He literally lives in me? Lord, Maybe this morning you want Him to love through you or maybe you want to experience that love in a way you never have before because it is experiential. It's not just here. It's here. It's real. And so maybe there's something related to to that love that you'd want to write down here. Again, this is your prayer. Take it back. Nail it to the cross. And then as you do that, we have prayer stations. My left, my right, your right, your left. And there are people there waiting prayer partners to pray with you for whatever that is. So this morning as we come to the table, we come to encounter the real presence of our Savior. And we want to respond. Respond to His Word. We want to respond to His his call in our life. He invites us to come, but He challenges us to live and to be different as a result of coming. The night in which we prayed, he, He took bread and He broke it and He said, this is My body which is broken for you. As often as you eat this, eat this in remembrance of Me. Then He took the cup. And He said, this is the cup of the new covenant my blood which is poured out for you. Whenever you drink this, drink this in remembrance of Me. So that whenever we take the bread and we drink from the cup, we declare Christ's death until He comes again. And He is coming again. He is. But between now and then, He's called us to live into the life of Christ. Christ's message. Christ's mission for the world. And so this morning, as you think about issues of identity, belonging, mission, you think of issues of unity, forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration, or you think about love, about being loved and what that really means to be loved by Him. I would invite you to come and encounter Him. And in that encounter, experience identity and unity in love in a refreshed 
in a new way. And as you do, come, take bread, take the cup, take it as you're ready. You can sit down and take it quietly. But then go back and take your card, put it on the cross. There are tacks there, just put it on the cross, and then go and allow someone to pray with you as you share your heart with the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning that we've been called by you. You created us for your sovereign purpose. Lord, that we are on mission together. And that's our identity. Part of our identity, Lord, is to understand who we are united with you, with your Son, and with the Holy Spirit. Father, you've called us to be unified. And where there is division, Father, in our relationship with you or others, that you've called us to seek forgiveness. And Father, you have reminded us of your great love for us. And how we should love one another. Father, this morning as we come to your table, as we go back and we put our request at the cross, or we ask others to pray with us or for us, may you infuse into us a freshness of your Holy Spirit. That we might live for you in the very best way, and in doing so, fulfill the desire of your Son in his great high priestly prayer. His departure prayer, that we might live for Him in the world in a way that people would not mistake us as His disciples. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. At any time during service, as the Lord would prompt you or move you, go on back, be prayed for. Um, Whatever business the Holy Spirit has initiated in your heart, Let's just lean into that. Um, Chris Mitchell, our our junior high coordinator, was looking to teach uh, our junior hires, our middle schoolers, about the love of God. And and he wrote something for them to help them to try to grasp and understand uh, his love for them, uh, their sense of identity, belonging. And uh, I want to share that with you here as we look here on the screen. Do you have that? This morning, there it is. And uh, I thought we would just maybe just very slowly read these words together uh, as written by uh, Chris. And how appropriate. And that kind of ties together a lot of what we're talking about this morning. So I'm going to read very slowly. You read out loud with me. I am loved by God. He sees me as strong, beautiful, capable. He has a plan for my life. I am loved by Jesus. He knows me. He believes in me. He wants to be my friend, my brother, my Lord, my God. I am loved by the Holy Spirit. He wants me to have love, to have peace and patience. He helps me to be kind, to be good, to be gentle, to be faithful, and to have self-control. I will do my best to love others, to serve them, to let them know that God loves them just like he loves me because I am loved by God, God likes me, and I belong to him. He is my God. Amen.